0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's McCaffrey. There he goes. It's attack. McCaffrey This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's show, from the Charlotte Observer, Carolina Panthers beat writer Jonathan Alexander joins the podcast. But first is the opening drive. And welcome to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by two-time Super Bowl winner and the first defensive player ever drafted by the Carolina Panthers round one in 1995, cornerback, 14-year veteran, Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Ty?
1: Hey, Desmond, how you doing? Doing good to be on the show.
0: Yeah, and I know this is one that you've probably been waiting on, being a defensive player, because we've kind of held off on doing it. And uh, last week we did... Uh, offense in terms of skill positions and how bill barnwell from espn uh had rated the panthers potentially be the fifth best uh overall in the league uh we held off on this one because I, i knew this was gonna be one that you'd be excited about and that's the defensive side uh massive changes on the defensive side for Carolina from what we saw last year, which may not necessarily be a bad thing. uh, If you recall, towards the middle of last year through the end, it felt like people were just running 20-yard runs up the gut of the Panthers' defense. Pretty much every game got to the point where it was a chore uh, to watch the Panthers on defense. Um, Head coach Matt Rule and uh, general manager Marty Herney have cleared out pretty much the entire defensive roster. Uh, the Panthers being the first in the modern draft era to use all picks that they had, seven of them, on defensive players. All the rookies are signed. All the rookies are in uh, rookie training camp right now. The vets are going to start showing up here uh, starting next week. Rooks get a chance to get acclimated um, with their coaches and whatnot in the building. They're not in Rock Hill, South Carolina. They're not in Roff- They're not in Wofford this year. Uh, training camp is going to take place at Bank of America Stadium, and I'd assume at the bubble, uh, the practice facility that owner David Tepper had built for the Panthers uh, a year or so ago, so they wouldn't be outside all the time. Um, just starting off before we really get into the picks or whatnot, Ty, take me back to when you were a rookie, having to show up for a uh, rookie portion of training camp before the veterans get in. What's that feeling like for these rookies that have never played pro ball before, probably never been on this side of the facility in terms of seeing the guts of the, of the the franchise, the organization that they're about to start working for and playing for. Walk me through, like, do you remember how you felt back in 95 when you were when you were a first round draft pick, the first defensive guy ever selected by the franchise? What are the emotions you're going through uh, as you entered the building for the first time as a, a Panther employee?
1: Well, well, honestly, in 95, it was Carolina's inaugural season. So, oh, you uh, weren't uh, even there like, yet. Yeah. yeah, You were in Clemson, right? Yeah, we were in Clemson, but, What I was going to say is just like with Matt Rule, first year coaches, first year teams in existence, Matt Rule's first existence as a head coach in the NFL. So the NFL gives teams and coaches different opportunities uh, to advance the team and the players. So for Carolina in 95, we had veterans and rookies report at the same time. Oh, wow. uh, now, when we had minicamp, minicamp, of course, that's right after the draft, rookie mini camp. And then with that, they would have a few chosen veterans to kind of like show up, you know, those guys that really were maybe like second, third year guys. But that inaugural season in 95, everybody showed up at the same time because we were uh, an expansion team and that was our inaugural season. So the coaches wanted to make sure they got everybody in at the same time so we can all get reps. So it was kind of unique, uh, even from the standpoint of uh, hazing. You know, I didn't do a lot of the things Uh that (laughs) most rookies have to do. (laughs) Most rookies have to do uh, their first year. So I was kind of glad in a way that I came to an expansion team because I didn't have to do all that crazy stuff. But, um, you know, it's – Always a blast when you first walk into that uh, meeting room. Uh, it's a different environment. The playbook is thicker. Uh, the coaches, guys, players that you normally see or saw on television on any given Sunday, as they call it, or Monday night football, you know, you remember their names and now you're sitting up close to these guys, you know, I remember Tim McHire, you know, he's played the 49ers way back in the day. And, yeah. you know, then you have a lot of other guys, Sam Mills, God rest his uh, spirit and mm-hmm. he just guys that you saw play Gerald Williams. So these rookies coming in to the NFL, um You know, it's just going to be an exciting moment uh, for them. So but at the same time, it's a job. It's a job. Just like in college. It was a job, even though they call it college football still is a job because you got to keep that college tuition or that college scholarship. So now it's just a professional uh, job. But still, you got to keep that contract.
0: And this is a little bit different because usually the pan, well, usually just any NFL team in general will have a good amount of veterans uh, that just get it. They're either ingrained in the team or uh, have been brought over from someplace else. And the Panthers have brought in some uh, some talent on defense. Tahir Whitehead from the Raiders, for example, will probably start at linebacker. But the meat of this team going forward is pretty much in the draft that. Uh, that Marty Herney and Matt Rule just had, and probably next year's draft too. Um, as I said before, first in the modern draft era to use all their picks on defensive players, all seven of them went to the defense. Um, I wanted to stop for a second and give a shout out to Marty Herney. Marty Herney gets a lot of flack. He gets a lot of credit for things. Um, but the one thing that Marty Herney has been able to do his entire time in two different stints with Carolina is pick first-round picks. He he nails it, literally. Every time he has a first-round pick, these guys have gone on to become stalwarts in, in the franchise, and some of them become all pros in the league. And, and, And Ty, I wanted to run down this list with you just so you could – mm-hmm. you may not know. I didn't really know. I kind of knew, but I didn't really know until I started writing them down. The guys mm-hmm. that Marty Herney has picked in the first round, and, I, and I'm harping on this because our first-round pick this year, defensive tackle Derek Brown, uh, I'm really high on. I really like this kid. Uh, I watched mm-hmm. him – Uh, triple teamed (laughs) in a game. I think it was against Alabama last year um, and he still almost got to the quarterback Um, pairing him with the returning Kawan short at defensive tackle um, gives us one of the most stout interior lines in football, which is crazy to say, because we just let go like a billion veterans across the league uh, from last year's defense. But Mm -hmm. going back to what I was saying, Marty Herney's first round picks his first year, 2002 first round selection, Defensive end Julius Peppers, probably going to make the Hall of Fame. I would think he's probably he's, I think he's fourth overall in overall sacks like for a career, so he's probably going to get in the Hall of Fame. The next year, two thousand three, Marty Herney selects Jordan Gross from Utah, first round. The next year, two thousand four, cornerback Chris Gamble, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Two thousand five, Thomas Davis, Georgia. Two thousand six, DeAngelo Williams from Memphis hmm 2007 john beeson from miami uh 2008 jonathan stewart out of oregon in 2009 and 2010 they didn't have first round picks because of uh, the whole everett brown marty herney traded it away to get jeff otah that whole mess <laughs> so he did th- those two years were kind of uh, kind of messed up there a little bit with no first round selections but in 2011, he rebounded. He had the overall number one pick. He drafted Cameron Newton. 2012, the following year, first round, he drafts Luke Kuechly. Uh, 2018, DJ, after he was gone from the franchise for, a couple, for about five years, uh, went to radio, was living in Charlotte, came back after Dave Gelman was released at general manager. First pick in the first round since he's back, 2018, DJ Moore. 2019, mm-hmm. last year, Brian Burns. And then this year, 2020, Derek Brown. All those names, other than Derek Brown, because we haven't seen him play yet, all yeah. those names I just named became instant starters, basically, uh, with the exception of Jonathan Stewart, but that's because he had D'Angelo Williams in front of him. But they were basically running the same amount of snaps uh, most of the time they were here. But, I mean, you just run through it. Peppers, Gross, Gamble, Davis, starter, 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 starter. Like, literally, and some of these are Pro Bowls, our Pro Bowler guys, Thomas Davis, uh jordan gross made a couple pro bowls peppers made a couple pro, well he made more than a couple pro bowls um john beason's career was cut short by injury but he had just signed a 50 million dollar extension right before it and was pretty much up there along with dan morgan as, you know and sam mills as some of the the best linebackers in in team history before his injuries it really started happening so mm-hmm. a great pick there jonathan stewart's the leading rusher in franchise history uh, we all know about Cam Newton. Um, Luke Keekley's probably going to the Hall of Fame uh, in five or six years, you know. Uh, and then the word's a lot with DJ Moore and Brian Burns, but DJ Moore's the number one wide receiver on the team, and Brian Burns is going to probably be the starting defensive end. So uh, I say all that to to highlight Marty Herney's prowess in the first round. Those first round guys that he gets, he builds teams with. The, the 2015 Panther team that went to the Super Bowl – was built with guys that Marty Herney picked in the first round and a couple of guys like Ryan Khalil that he snagged in the second and third round early in mm-hmm. the draft. He built that team. So mm-hmm. it feels like David Tepper is allowing Marty Herney, along with Matt Rule, to, to kind of rebuild this defense from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. As a defensive player, a former defensive player, Ty, how hard is it going to be? Just putting everything to perspective here, they haven't had face-to-face meetings at all. These are, This is going to be a room full of rookies. Um, and we're sitting here trying to figure out how many people may be starting as a rookie with the Panthers. There's only been 12 times in team history a rookie draft pick started all 16 games for the Panthers. Never has more than one out of the same class started the entire season. Uh, we've got a couple that we're going to nominate that might have that opportunity, but before we get to those, just as a defensive player learning a new system and getting it installed, especially from a new head coach who's installing not just his system but his his way of uh, his method to his madness, like what he wants to be identified as as a football. Yeah. How, how does this work? Like going into this with so many rookies and so many new faces on defense. What type of logistic? Like for real, what type yeah. of problems are the Panthers going to have? Uh, with you looking at this from the outside, being a former defensive player, how hard is it going to be for them to really uh, play at a professional level? And I really don't want to say it like that, but it's what mm-hmm. it is. Like, how how long is it going to take
1: for these guys to really get together? I'm going to go back and say some things you named about Marty Herney. First of all, all the names that you named, they're like play, they play different positions. So what I see as a professional athlete, in my professional opinion, I see a GM who knows how to pick according to the team's needs. And sometimes you get a guy that maybe there's a team that uh, didn't need that defensive end and you were in the right selection. So a spot for selection, and bam, that athlete fell right into your hands. So mm-hmm. I think to add on to that, not only does maybe he pick first-round picks, but I think the most important thing, again, is that Marty Herney knows how to pick according to the team need. Um, And going back and talking about the rookies, not only are we talking about rookie players, but we're talking about rookie coaches, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, uh, Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, which we'll talk about him a little bit. Uh, Chase Blackburn, the special teams coach. Combined years in the NFL experience, these guys got seven. Wow. So (laughs) you're talking about not only just players, so you're talking about uh, coaches, which I'm pretty sure, just like rookie players, Uh, athletes try to rely on veteran players to help them. I'm pretty sure Matt rule, Joe Brady, Phil snow. They have other veteran coaches, retired, maybe still active coaches that I'm pretty sure they get on the phone with that are their buddies. And they say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking about. How did you guys play against this team that we're getting ready to face? So again, it's going to be a, a lot of learning curves, Uh, in Carolina, but it's not to say that it cannot be done because again, in 95 you alluded to it in the beginning of this show, the 95 season was our first ever and still yet we came out and could have had a a uh, 500 season, but mm-hmm. we fit seven and nine. But we jailed together very quickly because of the leadership at the top. And I think that's what Carolina has. They have the leadership at the top from Taper all the way down to Matt Rule all the way down. And also, just talking about the defense, uh, these guys with Shaq Thompson, you uh, alluded to him as well. Uh, with Luke Kinkley gone, the veteran leadership is gone. So Shaq Thompson is going to have to be that guy that. Phil snow is going to have to rely on the defensive coordinator field snow is going to, have to rely on shaq thompson to get that defensive unit uh to 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 go to to work and one thing we do know about a little bit about uh field snow the defensive coordinator that he's he, he's aggressive he's aggressive so you're not going to see a timid uh carolina panther defense yes he's going to call the plays according to their knowledge and their understanding of the defense, but you're not going to see that defense, I think, from Carolina in 2020 be passive. They're going to be very aggressive. And also, Snow is a teacher, which is a great thing. Uh, When I was there in Carolina, uh, you know, Dom Capers was a teacher. He was a teacher, and he came from Pittsburgh, which they called him uh, Blitzburg. They were aggressive, but he was a teacher. (laughs) So, I see uh, Phil Snow the same way. Uh, he runs multiple schemes. But again, <clears throat> like you alluded to, they lost a lot of guys. And that's why they drafted. They spent the whole entire draft on the defense because, again, Marty Herney, I alluded to this, he knows how to draft according to what they need. And he knew they needed defensive guys. They were set on offense. We need defensive guys. They lost Gerald uh, McCoy, Bruce Irvin, Dontaria Poe. Uh, Mario um, Addison, Eric Reed, James Bradbury, Mm -hmm. and uh, Vernon Butler, uh, Luke Kinkley, you know, retired. So, Marty Herney, that's what you need. That's what leadership is. You find out what you need, what you've lost, and you go back and replenish it. Just because something looks good on offense, you know what? We don't need offense. We need our defense. And if you're going to win in the NFL, you need offense, defense, and special teams. So, uh, But these rookies – I'm pretty sure they're going to come in and they're going to do a great job because they have a great teacher. So I know I kind of got off point of asking, uh, answering your question, but I had to uh, put that in just so the listeners, those Carolina faithfuls can understand. I'm yeah, yeah, no, not okay. what I heard, but what I know.
0: Yeah, no, and that's what okay. I want Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you're right in terms of uh, this is not going to look like the defense from last year or really the past five years in terms of, uh, names that got fans might recognize. There's only three guys on the Panthers defense in 2020 that started 10 or more games on defense, and only one that started all 16, and that's safety Trey Boston. Uh, there's only seven guys back from last season total on defense, and a lot of those guys didn't play a whole lot. Guys like uh, Christian Miller, Marquise Haynes on the defensive line, Christian Miller. Great prospect. He was a mid round pick the year prior out of Alabama. Just couldn't really get on the field last year except for some uh you know, some garbage minutes towards the end when games were out of hand. He battled some injuries as well. Uh Marquise Haynes, same way, kind of a depth guy. Um not, you know, neither one of those guys are gonna start, but it looks like Kwan Short and Brian Burns will start uh, you know, in the middle. Uh you'll have well excuse me, you'll have Kwan Short and uh the the draft pick, the first round pick Derek uh Derek Brown out of Auburn uh, in the middle, Brian Burns on one side, and then a guy I'm really high on, Yator Matos. Uh, Yates, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> let me make sure I pronounce his name right. Uh, Yator Gross Matos uh, out of Penn State. Um, he's six foot five, 265 pounds, Ty. Uh, I watched some video of him this morning. Um, he's great in pursuit. Uh, he can rush up the middle. Looks like he can line up a defensive tackle if need be. And the one thing I noticed with Matt Rule was that when they went to this draft, he was saying that they wanted positionless guys, guys that could play multiple positions so they could move around, do different sets and things. And Yator Matos fits that to a T. I actually kind of expect him to start off the year starting at defensive end opposite Brian Burns. So you've got a fast front four, uh, which actually, when you really look at it on paper, yeah, they're going to be young. They got a chance to be a top five, top ten defensive line unit next year in the NFL. You know, with the right coaching and you know things happening the way we hope they can, talent wise. Now, there's only been twelve times in team history a rookie draft pick has started all sixteen games, and Derek Brown, to me, barring barring any uh, injuries or anything of that sort, seems like the type that could be a day one starter and play all sixteen games. Um, as long as he doesn't get injured. They've never had more than one out of the same class start the entire season, and I think this is the year that that's going to be broken because you're going to have a couple of guys, especially in the secondary, that are going to get a chance to start because looking at their depth, uh, the secondary's pretty low in in terms of depth they got back there. Um, I wanted to see what you thought, being a cornerback, on the quarterback selection that the Panthers selected in the fourth round, and that's Troy Pride, Comes from a high pedigree, Notre Dame. Um, The Panthers did sign Eli Apple from the Giants earlier in the offseason, and they do still have Dante Jackson, who uh, is, according to Madden, the fastest guy in the NFL. Um, It's his third year. Started all 16 games rookie year. Last year, only started 10. Was kind of in and out of the lineup due to inconsistent play, but I would imagine that Jackson probably has a heads-up on one of those starting cornerback roles. Uh, it looks like it's going to come down between Apple and pride uh, for the other position at cornerback. Um, he pride has been compared to former Panther, Josh Norman, which I'm sure perks up a couple of Panther fan ears listening to this uh, believe in Panther podcast. Cause we haven't really had anyone like Josh Norman since he left. Um, who would you prefer back there? Uh, Ty? Cause Eli, Eli's the same way. They're both young guys, of course, Troy's younger than him. But someone tells me that this guy reminds them of Josh Norman in terms of not just build and size, but attitude. I want that attitude back in the secondary that we had when Josh Norman was back there. Uh, the 2015 season in particular, it almost felt like Josh Norman was talking his superstardom into existence with his play. Like he... Uh, he was just so dynamic with how he was covering guys and so confident in his abilities that just it just it just, you, you could see it on the TV. We haven't had anything like that in the secondary since then. Do you think there's potential for Troy Pride or Eli Apple, who's the new addition, he wasn't a draft pick, but he's relatively young. I believe he's under the age of 25. Do you think that one of these guys, and I'll include Dante in that, can assume that mantle that no one has since Josh Norman left the team at the end of the 2015 season?
1: Yeah, I definitely think those guys, Troy Pride and Eli Apple, uh, they're going to be competitive and uh, they're going to, you know, that's what you want on your team. You want everyone to be competitive, to push each other. You should get your best practice or game in practice. Now, I want to go back and say this. uh, Anything, when we talked about the different names, they're going to be a whole new Slew of names that Carolina Panther fans may not recognize, and there are those that have that are gone. Well, I'll say this: the Panthers' defense will be better. You got to get better when you are when you have no place but to go up.
0: Yeah, they can't you get have, worse. You
1: have <laughs> yeah, you can't get no worse than twenty third <laughs> in the NFL when you give up three hundred and, and seventy four yards uh, a, a game and you know, they were averaging 143 on the ground. Oh so you can't God. have no place but to go up. Oh. So I definitely think this defense is going to be better uh, 100%. So when it comes to Troy pride, Eli Apple, these guys, Eli Apple, he's a veteran. Mm-hmm. So he knows the game. He knows what it's like. He used to be a rookie. So I'm just hoping that Eli Apple comes in and shares his veteran knowledge with these young guys. Now, if Eli Apple is confident in his game, then he will give these young guys what they need to know and catch them up very quickly mentally. And all that's going to do is just make the entire team better. So as far as Troy, pride, I like him. Uh, You know, two year starter, talking about his college years, two year starter uh, at cornerback, you know, 5'11, 193, you know, good man coverage, uh, all around athlete. Uh, What else can you say about the guy? He has the quickness uh, to play the cornerback position, good in zone schemes, which Phil Snow, he does use multiple schemes. So, multiple schemes just means that whatever, it's like you don't stay in one particular defense. You match what the offense tries to do. And in order to match what the offense tries to do every series, so to speak, you got to have players that are multi-type athletes. And that's why, again, you alluded to it. They wanted guys that can do multiple things because if you're going to run a multiple scheme defense, you got to have guys, and you want to have guys that you really don't have to take off the field. You don't have to take out the field and sub because this day and age offenses, they will try to catch you subbing and that's an extra five yards. So you want guys that you can keep on the field. And if you need to go from a four, three to a three, four, where you just take one of those guys, that hybrid guy and move him back. And now he becomes a linebacker. And when you need to put him in the ground and create a four, three, that's what you do. But Troy pride, I think he comes in and he has Good long speed to run with the receivers downfield. Uh, Again, his size and quickness uh, comes into play uh, very good. Uh, Good reaction, read and react uh, to what's going on with the offense. And, of course, everybody has some weaknesses. And, again, Eli Apple, his weakness is going to be that he's been in the NFL for a while and there is film on him. And like they say, we all are creatures of, of 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 habit. So, what teams are going to do? They're going to say, "Hey, they're going to go back and look at video of Eli Apple with his previous team, find out what are his weaknesses, and that's what they're going to tag Eli Apple with, even though he's in a Carolina uniform. Uh, when it comes to Troy Pride, of course, this is rookie year, so there's not a lot of film out there. So, Troy Pride, uh, Troy Pride gets an opportunity to develop his game, and his notoriety going forward. But everybody has uh, weaknesses. and. But I just look forward to this secondary, this defense. I think he's going to play with a lot of energy. And, again, I think Phil Snow, uh, very smart defense coordinator, is going to put these guys in position to make plays.
0: Now, Eli Apple, he only signed a one-year, $3 million deal back in May with the Panthers. So this is basically kind of a prove-it type of deal For Eli Apple, uh, basically a kind of a uh, this is what I can do uh, type of situation, because if he plays well, ends up becoming a, you know, a lockdown starter in the secondary for the Panthers, then more than likely the Panthers would probably, you know, try to extend him out beyond this year. If not, he'd be moving on elsewhere. But he was drafted by the Giants in 2016, played three. Well, eh, played three years with them through 2018 Then got traded to New Orleans in 2018. Uh, spent the last two years there. He's only 24 years old, played at Ohio State, so he's got the pedigree. He only has two interce- well three interceptions for his career, though, uh, in those three, well, four seasons. Um, but a solid corner, depth pick for sure. Um, I kinda, I'm kind of i with you, uh, Ty, in terms of I'm really interested in seeing what Troy Prod can do in the secondary. And going back to what you were just saying a minute ago about hybrid players and what Matt Rule is really high on in terms of guys that can play multiple positions, uh, I had mentioned uh, the the defensive end from Penn State earlier, uh, Yator, uh, Yator Gross Matos, who can play defensive tackle or defensive end, really. But there's one guy in this draft class that really intrigues me, and it's the safety from Southern Illinois, uh, Jeremy Chin. Um, he can play in the box as a linebacker, or he can play well as safety. Uh, he's a hard hitter. Um, he The Carolina Panthers moved up in the draft to select him, Um and I mentioned before, he was kind of on the radar uh, for guys that watch Panther game tape and things like that. You got other guys that do podcasts for the Panthers. I had been hearing Jeremy Chen's name since the beginning of the 2019 season. So he was out there in, in the peripherals in terms of people who knew who he was. The Panthers picked him out in the third round and traded up to go get him. And what you were mentioning about hybrid players, I'm thinking they're not going to play Jeremy Chen at safety. I think they're going to do a Thomas Davis and for, uh, Panther fans who don't know or maybe became Panther fans later on, uh, Thomas Davis was drafted as a safety out of Georgia. Um, and upon arriving in Carolina, the rumor was always that Thomas Davis, the reason why Thomas Davis was drafted was Mike Vick. Uh, the Panthers and John Fox in particular wanted someone who could spy on Mike Vick the entire game, two games a year, pretty much. And they needed someone that could actually cover or had cover speed uh, to be able to contain Mike Vick because he's basically you're basically gonna be standing in the middle of the field waiting to see what Mike Vick is going to do because it's not going to be scripted and you need a guy that can kind of run with him. So they moved Thomas Davis down to linebacker, outside linebacker, and liked what they had so much that they left him there. But it allowed him to be able to cover tight ends coming out of the uh, off the line, running backs coming off the line of scrimmage, and I think. They're going to do the same thing with Jeremy Chin. It's a different coaching regime, but the the results hopefully would be the same where Chin moves down, primarily plays outside linebacker, opposite uh, either Shaq Thompson or Tahir Whitehead. I'm not sure which one of those guys they might move to middle linebacker. Um, The other would be on the outside. So you got Tahir Whitehead, Shaq Thompson, Jeremy Chin playing linebacker, and then you've got Troy Pride or Eli Apple on one side, cornerback, Dante Jackson on the other side, then you got Trey Boston and it leaves a safety spot out. And there's another guy in a couple minutes that I'll mention that I think might be able to, to play there as well. But uh, what what are your thoughts on that with um, knowing how Thomas Davis turned out uh, one of the probably top three linebackers in Panthers history? I think it's pretty easy to say. Uh, and he did not really play that in college. How hard is it to, to move from a secondary position like safety down into the box where you're primarily playing linebacker uh, the entire time. Is that a hard transition
1: for a defensive player to make? Uh, No, I don't think so at all. Uh, Actually, you made me think about myself. When I came out, uh, actually, I played the nickel uh, and outside corner. So the nickel back, again, is what you're doing. You're taking out a linebacker, somebody who may be stiff, hip, and you're replacing that person with someone who has fluent hips and can cover, but still can tackle. So I don't think it's going to be a real big, difficult transition for Jeremy Shin, I think he's going to fit right in. Football is football. You're just getting closer to the line of scrimmage. You still got to read. You still got to react. And at the end of the day, it's about beating your opponent to the point of attack. Whether you're being blocked, you got to out-wiggle, out move and get to the football, so I don't think it's going to be a hard transition. Most of the calls, uh, coverage wise, you got curl, hook, hook, curl, flats, seams. So the terminology is not going to be a problem. I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. But I will uh, say this: as far as that secondary, again, when we look at the front four. Any great defensive team, secondary wise, they are great because of the front seven, Hmm. the front four. If it's a four-man rush, it's those four guys that put pressure on that offense, that quarterback. That quarterback doesn't have time to sit back there and throw the ball, got to come out quick. And you could put an average guy back there in the secondary. But if you got a front four, they will make that average guy look like a superstar. Now, just think if you can get four guys that can rush and also you got guys that can cover that gives a defensive coordinator, man, that's like gold. Mm. He got an opportunity to create, come up with schemes, and that would drive offenses crazy. It's the same thing on offense. If you got a running back just like Carolina's offense, you got to defend the running game, the running back out of the, the passing game uh, to the running back the wide receivers the tight end and then you got a quarterback who is smart that gives a defensive coordinator fits so same thing as a defensive coordinator you want to get an offensive coordinator offensive players a headache because they don't know who to block on the defensive line if you double uh short then you're hoping that brown gets one on one, he gets singled and he dominates. Hmm. So that is what a defensive coordinator wants. But I also got to say this, you know, I know Marty Herney, uh David Tepper, Matt Rule, their goal is to get the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl. Now this is going to allude to you talking about Jeremy uh, Sheen coming Jeremy down. Jeremy. Yeah, Chen. Jeremy's Der- Jeremy Chin coming down and being that hybrid guy, but just the fact that the Carolina Panther coaching staff wants an athletic team. Well, the road to the Super Bowl starts that I've learned, and I had the opportunity to play in. Uh, many of them, two of them, but in order to get to the Super Bowl, you got to get to the AFC championship game or the mm-hmm. NFC Championship game. But in order to get there, you got to win your division. Right. You got to understand your division. And you mentioned that uh Thomas Davis was drafted for Michael Vick. Well, I believe Matt Rule, they have looked at their division and they say we do not have an athletic quarterback. We don't have to worry about facing a team, not that they don't, the Carolina Panthers don't have an athletic a quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is a, a athletic quarterback, but they won't be facing quarterbacks that are going to run. Like Tom Brady's not going to run, run anywhere.
0: Yeah. Matt, Ryan's not gonna run, run. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Matt Ryan's not running anywhere. Drew Brees not running anywhere. Good Their point. offenses are predicated on when that back foot hits the ground, that ball is coming out. So in order to get to that quarterback who. Basically, it's a pocket quarterback. You got to have speed. You got to get that rush in his face right now. So that is what I believe the Carolina Panthers are building their defense for is to win their division first, because the road to the Super Bowl starts with winning your division.
0: Desmond Johnson and two-time Super Bowl champion, former Panther cornerback Tyrone Poole on with you, the Believe in Panthers podcast here. Uh, Just going through the, the prospects of the Panthers' defense in 2020, and I gotta admit, Ty, when we f- we first started planning this show, I was very hesitant because I didn't know what to expect in terms of so much youth, so many rookies, uh, new coordinator, just new everything. Uh, it's just a new world for Carolina Panther fans. We've never really had it like this before. Even when we've had coaching changes, like you know Rivera coming in in 2011, or uh, you know John Fox coming in in 2001. It just, or 2002, I should say, there was still carryover. There were still guys that were here from the previous regime, so it didn't feel so much like a brand-new start-from-scratch type situation. It felt more like a remix, like, okay, we're going to take what we did before, and I'm getting rid of those guys, I'm keeping all these guys, and I'm going to add some of my own guys, and in about two years, we'll see where we are. That doesn't feel like that now. This feels more like a complete reboot uh like like this is not your Carolina Panthers team that went to the Super Bowl in 2015 like all those guys are gone the sit in the defense that we watched get uh ran up and down the field last year you mentioned the stat earlier in the podcast but they were letting you know 130 140 yards on the ground which is unheard of for a Panthers defense in any era really to be allowing to have like that's kind of one of the stalwarts of the Panthers they're a, a run stopping defense no matter who the coach is Typically, they're going to stop the run and they're going to run the ball. You know, it's something I've always preached to my friends that that's the number one thing in football to me. If you can stop the run and you can run the football, you're going to win more games than you, you probably are going to lose. And mm-hmm. that never changed, you know, whether it's 1940, 1980 or, or today. It's the mm-hmm. teams that can run the ball and can stop the run mm-hmm. are the teams that are the hardest to beat. So the Panthers have kind of, you know, subscribed to that philosophy, really their entire history but with this team, it feels like it's the first time ever that they're kind of moving away from that a little bit. They feel like they're going to be led by the offense. All, all of the more talented players, I guess you could say, well, it's really not fair to say, because we haven't really seen these defensive guys yet in the NFL. But we've seen mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> we've seen Christian McCaffrey. We know what they can do. So we're kind of assuming the offense is going to lead this uh, charge this year. Mm-hmm. Um but the defense, I was worried at first how young they were. But now, after talking to you and just like, you know, talking about how easy it is or, or easier than I might have thought to move from safety to linebacker and the talent that they got and the positive reviews that the Panthers received after the draft, that they pretty much got A's across the board from all these mm-hmm. media outlets that they had knocked the draft out of the park just based off of potential. Um, and one of the reasons why is a fifth round pick that they drafted. Uh, Kenny Robinson out of West Virginia, he's also a safety and he's one of the reasons why I think they're going to have Jeremy Chint at linebacker just so they can get Robinson on the field. Um, if they move chin down to play more of an outside linebacker role, like Thomas Davis was, uh, Robinson may start at safety with Trey Boston. He's been compared to Clemson's Isaiah Simmons, who actually was the eighth overall pick in this draft. And many Panther fans wanted us to select, uh, we selected Derek Brown instead But Simmons, uh, same way, kind of, kind of built the same way, uh, could do a little bit of everything. Kind of, actually, Isaiah Simmons and Jeremy Chin were were compared a lot leading up to the draft. Um, And a lot of people think that Jeremy Chin is kind of a poor man's version of Isaiah Simmons. So uh, for them to get two guys that are basically kind of clones of Isaiah Simmons, who was considered one of the top 10 talents in the draft, is incredible to me. Plus, Robinson has pro experience. He played in the XFL. Uh, he played with the St. Louis Battlehawks his past season before coronavirus shut the whole thing down. Uh, pro football focus called Kenny Robinson one of the biggest steals of the 2020 NFL draft, uh, a fifth-round selection. So, I mean, if you can get starters in the NFL past second round, third round, fourth round, I guess you could say, then you really kind of – I don't want to say you lucked out but you did your due diligence you found a guy that you know slipped through the cracks and a lot of the good teams do that they get depth in the back end of the draft the teams that aren't good all the time typically don't they'll, they'll knock out the first and second round picks or whatever but the rest is usually just trash <laughs> like it's not gonna play and then you're, you're kind of constantly spinning wheels uh the panthers have a chance this year with this first draft class i have to say i'm impressed on paper what Matt Rule and Marty Herney did, they did what you just said. They recognized the need and just uh, just went after it. They didn't care what people would say. Like, oh, you drafted a bunch of defensive players. You didn't draft any offense. They had a plan. And if you have a plan and you follow the plan, who's to say your plan is right or wrong until it's completed? Uh, all this youth, it kind of reminds me of the early 90s Cowboys, You know, when Jimmy Johnson came in, when they finally let Tom Landry go and Jerry Jones had bought the team and – they had one good player, Herschel Walker, basically on the entire team and uh, they traded him off the great train robbery and basically built that team off of young draft picks over a three year stretch with Jimmy Johnson playing GM and just basically knowing what he wanted for his system, picking those guys from his system or that played with him at Miami or he just or he recruited them. And just built this into this cowboy dynasty in the 90s. And this, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but this kind of feels like the start of that. It's the same way, you know, Jimmy Johnson didn't have any pro coaching experience. He brought in his own coordinators, Butch Davis and those guys from Miami, same situation, college coordinators, that hadn't coached in the NFL. Uh, young quarterback, took him a couple of, I mean, one in 15 that first year. But then after that, Seven and nine, and then they started rolling. And I kind of see the same track for the Panthers. I'm not wishing a one in 15 season on this at all, but uh, would you be surprised? <laughs> I mean, like if something like with all the youth and everything on the team, I don't think they're gonna go one in 15. I think it's just yeah, no, parity. Yeah, there's too much parity in the league yeah. for that to
1: happen. And then I understand too, you know, you mentioned uh, a couple things here I want to talk about uh, very quickly. Again, people saying, okay, they drafted seven guys, use all their draft picks. Well, for those, let me break it down again for those who are saying that, whether it's fans or what have you, uh, let me take you back and let's talk about your wardrobe in your own house. Let's talk about clothes. Okay, (laughs) if you got 10 pair of pants and two shirts, why would you go to the store and buy more pants? Don't you think you need to buy more shirts? Then once you get or maybe if you get these pair of pants that you got to have, then you get those pants. But other than that, you got to buy more shirts. And let's understand this, too. Defense is about destruction. It's about aggressiveness. It's about disruption. And you don't have to be. Now, you got to be smart now. (laughs) You got to be smart to be on defense. But defense. Play defensive play requires you to disrupt what the offense is doing, and if you can do that, and if you got people who understand what you're doing, then your defense will be exceptional. On offense, it's all about timing. The quarterback got a three step, five step drop, the receivers have to be coming out their break at the point of the route, and the ball has to be delivered. All that is timing. So on defense, it's easier to build a top 10 defense than it is to build a top 10 offense because, Mm. again, defense is just built off of disruption and everybody just being in the right place. You don't necessarily have to be in the right place. If you can just get pressure on the quarterback, if it's a pass, and that quarterback is just going to try to get rid of that ball, he's either going to get rid of the ball or take the sack. And all you got to do is just be in the right place at the right time. So I definitely think the Panthers' offense – is going to do good. Uh, they will be the strength of the team this year, but I think the defense is going to silently get a little bit of ambience noise in the background. People are going to start to recognize, hey, these guys are not as bad as we thought. Again, just remember, defense is about disruption. And if you can get into that A gap, B gap, if you can jam that receiver, if you can just be anything in the face of the quarterback, that is disruption.
0: You know, and you bring up an excellent point that typically, especially at the beginning of the year, defenses seem to be ahead of the offenses. And based off of what you just said, it's easy to see why. You know, defense is more instinctive. You know, like you can, yeah, they're going to call plays and that kind of thing, but it's really more, like you said, it's really more about position, being where you're supposed to be, doing your specific job, that type of thing. The offensive side, they're having to install offense. And it might help that Teddy Bridgewater is familiar with some of it from being in New Orleans. And that Joe Brady's coming in that he's familiar with because he was in New Orleans. So that might help a little bit, but they're still installing a brand new offense that, you know, wasn't there last year. So Christian McCaffrey doesn't know it. Curtis Samuel doesn't know it. DJ Moore doesn't know it. Like they're all learning this offense together. But on the defensive side, you can kind of, it feels, from what you're saying, it feels like you can kind of learn the defense as you go and use your natural ability and talent to overcome or compensate. Uh, potential mistakes you might make because you weren't in the right spot in scheme or whatever that might be. So, you know, I'm I'm glad we did this for this podcast today because I was feeling a certain way about this defense going into it, like just not being sure like what was going to happen. And now I'm kind of geeked about it because, you know, like you just said, you don't need five years to build a defense in the NFL. Actually, you don't need five years to build a team in the NFL. The Rams were in the Super Bowl two years after Sean McVay showed up. So, I mean, it's if you've got pieces in place, and you've got management and ownership that believes in what you're doing. And you've got a plan. I keep saying it. You have to have a plan. Forget what everybody else is doing. Do you. What? 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 You as the head coach, the leader of this franchise, what is your plan? What is your vision going yes. forward for us to get to the top? And for Matt Rule, he has a track record of building this in multiple locations, never at the pro level. But Jimmy Johnson didn't have that record either when he showed up in Dallas. So, I mean, it's not like it's never been done before. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Uh, we'll see what happens. The NFL just put out this week that uh, masks will be required for all fans in any stadium across the NFL. Uh, like we mentioned before, training camps opening July 28th. Uh, I believe is when veterans are going to be reporting. Rookies are already in Charlotte. All seven rookies that were drafted have already been signed by the Panthers this past week. So they're all in the house. They're all starting to learn and and get ready and whatnot. I thought about driving down to Charlotte to see if I could check out some of the stuff next week, but I don't think they're letting press in there, Ty. I don't know if uh, they're going to allow the press to come and watch like they used to do at Wofford, where you can just kind of drive up and just watch the team Mm -hmm. do what they're doing. I don't know if that's happening this year, but we'll uh, we'll get some info about that to pass along to the fans as well. Uh, we need to get up out of here, man. Um, we'll uh, we'll be back next week for sure. Training camp will be open by then, so we'll have some training camp news and notes uh, from beat writers down in Charlotte talking about the Panthers and what they're seeing out there. Um, any last words you want to get for the week here, Ty, uh, as we uh, get ready to head into what we've been waiting on, which is basically teams reporting to camps
1: here in a couple of days. No, this is it. This is what – my- Bill Parcells said way back in the day when he was coaching with the Giants, he says, this is why you lift all those weights. Yeah. (laughs) You know, know, fans have been waiting and now it's here. So the excitement is in the air and, you know, it's time to hear that. Panther roar in Bank of America Stadium, and it's just time for football. So, are you ready for some football?
0: Yes. And That's I was all gonna I gotta say, I was gonna say, to, I saw your uh, your workout video on social media a day or two ago. We might need a cornerback this year. You ready to lace him back up and get back out there again? Because look like you could go.
1: <laughs> I, I think I can give him. I think I can give, give uh, a little bit. Steel, Snow, <laughs> Defense Coordinator. Call me up. Bring me yeah. in. Just bring me in just for a trial. Yeah. Just let me. I, I can give it. him about fifteen. 15 plays. Uh, uh, <laughs> if not, I can come in and at least try to help the young guys. There you understand go. What they need to do to stay in shape, longevity, and have a long career. <laughs>
0: so I, was like, I was like, man, I was, I was scrolling through my news feed and it popped up. And I was like, is that Tyrone Poole? And I started. Why? I was like, yo, my man look like he's hey. right now. <laughs> like right now. So uh, definitely shout out to that. You made me feel out of shape and old, watching it. <laughs> I think I'm younger than you. So <laughs> that's the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Uh, you can catch us on any major platform uh, with podcast: Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and more. Uh, also on the Believe Podcast Network. Go follow them on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow my man Ty Pool at Tyrone Pool38 on Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter at dez d e z underscore three five zero five what's the number one sign of a bad home security system a home security system that's so complicated you never use it that's exactly the type of system SimpliSafe has spent a decade fighting against SimpliSafe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7 order online open the box place the sensors plug it in and your home is protected around the clock It's that simple. Head to simplisafe.com forward slash team and get free shipping and a 60 day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team. It feels good to fear less. And welcome back to the believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the believe podcast network. I'm your host, Esmond Johnson, and I am joined by with Jonathan Alexander. He is the new beat writer for the Carolina Panthers, for the Charlotte Observer. So, uh, Jonathan, you got to let me know, how, when did you first start with this beat? Because I know you kind of share it with Alana Getzenberg, with uh, the, the Charlotte Observer. She was our very first guest ever mm-hmm. on the Believe in Panthers podcast, and she was fantastic uh, a couple months back. When did you, when did you get a chance to, to finally sit down and take a breath and go, okay, beat writer, Panthers, let's go.
2: I, I I don't know if I've had a chance to take a breath yet because uh, <laughs> cuz it's been nonstop. but uh my first day was July 6 and um you know that week the week of July 6th was I think when my uh, my beat partner was on vacation so yeah that week so you know that week was mostly consisted of of trying to meet as many people as I could um a lot of people who had to do with the Panthers the uh, the staff the PR staff there I'm trying to find some players to meet and and figure out story ideas. Um, So it's been full go so far.
0: How has um, coronavirus, COVID-19, how has that affected your ability to really – because I know it's tough for Coach Rule and Mm -hmm. uh, Coach Snow, uh, Coach Brady, to really do a whole lot with these players because up to this point, it's all been Zoom meetings and virtual meetings. Coaching meetings and things of that sort. I know the rookies reported this week. Uh, Describe for me if you've been over to BOA or were there training. The the vibe in the building because really this is something that probably should happen back in March. You know, introducing yourself to players and just kind of having that first day of school kind of mm-hmm. feeling. It got pushed really to now. So yeah. give me your give me your your vibe your feeling on what's going on over at the Panthers headquarters right now in terms of. Rookies coming in. All seven rookies that were drafted in the defensive uh, class of 2020 have all been signed. Uh, give us a take on what you're feeling over there.
2: Yeah, so that's the thing. Uh, nobody um, has been let in the facilities yet. You know, rookies uh, entered um, on, I, th- I believe it was Tuesday. Uh, I mean, rookies reported on Tuesday. They took a test that day. On Wednesday and Thursday, they had to um, isolate. Then they took another test uh, today, and that test will come within 24 hours. But you have to have two negative tests to even get in the facility. So, oh, wow, yeah, the earliest they could get in the facility is Saturday, um, and it's the same for us. We start our testing on Sunday, um, so we haven't been around the team either. You know, you're starting to see you know our jobs change kind of tremendously. I'm used to when I start a new B. Um, asking the coaching staff and uh, others in the administration to coffee and, and shaking their hands. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I won't be able to do that. There's going to be a lot of phone calls, text messages, Zoom calls, if possible. So it's very different, you know, for the players, the staff, and, and people who cover the team.
0: Uh, Jonathan Alexander with us. You can follow him on Twitter at John M. Alexander. That's J O N M. Alexander on twitter and i would highly recommend that so you can stay on top of uh carolina panther news through the charlotte observer uh let's stay around the nfl first and then we'll circle back around to the panthers here they did announce earlier this week that uh masks will be mandatory for fans uh, across the league um i've seen some spots say there'll be no fans in attendance there but i've seen some spots say they're going to let in up to twenty thousand people uh, in attendance, have the Panthers announced uh, uh, a threshold of, of fans they're going to allow into the Bank of America Stadium this year? Uh, if any,
2: um, the Panthers have not announced that this year. I think uh, uh, that's one of the things that they still need to work out with Mecklenburg County and the state. Um, you know, they have to develop those plans. It's my understanding they haven't started talking to the state yet. They've started having discussions with Mecklenburg County, but I think that's something that they're going to have to keep um, come to an agreement with. You know, uh, the state's Department of Health and Human Services, you know, agreed to allow NASCAR to have its races. But, you know, they decided on zero uh, fans in the stands. You know, who knows? You know, the stadium at Bank of America Stadium is pretty large. And, and and there might be that possibility that you could allow a small number of fans in the stadium and still social distance. That's the goal of the bands is to have them social distance, social distance and, and wear a mask. Um, but it right now is unclear how many will be allowed and what the state will agree on.
0: The um, and and having said that, you, you know, we talked about BOA, I think they see like 67 68,000 capacity, something along those lines. They might can get it up to 70. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tall task to try to figure out how many can you allow in there. Do PSL owners get first dibs, you know, that kind of thing? So, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that as we're right here on the, 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 the cusp of uh, training camp beginning here. Panthers scheduled to start July 28th when veterans will report, as we said, rookies have already reported they're going through their uh, COVID protocols now so they can get into the building. Um, Jonathan, talk to me a little bit about this defensive, this all defensive draft class. That's about to try to make a huge impact with the Carolina Panthers here. Um, I'd done a little digging around and realized that in, in the Panthers history, only 12 times, a rookie draft pick has started all 16 games and never has more than one out of the same class started the entire season. I just found it humorous because as I look through the uh, the draft picks that we drafted this year, who were pretty much universally applauded by most of the talking heads across the country as being a very good draft. Uh, a lot of people said we had got some steals later on in the draft. But there's a couple of guys in here that I'm looking at as day one starters. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to get your – your opinion on these guys of course starting off the the first round pick derrick brown the defensive tackle out of auburn there was a play when i was watching film of this kid it might have been against alabama where he was basically triple teamed (laughs) on a play and uh kind of spun out of it and still got some pressure on the quarterback uh marty herney is pretty much gold on first round picks since he got here in 2002 anyone from julius peppers jordan gross thomas davis uh williams and stewart cam newton of course luke keekley, and then m- most recently in his second tour of duty dj moore and brian burns all those guys have been basically starters w- give me some input on Derek brown do you think he's a, a potential day one starter and what are you gathering from him in terms of uh the type of player he is and how he's going to fit into matt Rule's system
2: yeah i almost have no doubt uh derrick brown is going to start on day one uh, i was looking at Phil Snow's last press conference, and he mentioned him as, a, as you know, starting alongside uh, Kawan Short, um, and, and, you know, he just has so much ability. Um, you know, at, at Auburn, he showed that in a, in a great SEC conference, you know, he, uh, his senior year, he had 11 and a half tackles for losses, four sacks at the defensive tackle position. Um, he had a two 4 fumble recoveries, two force fumbles. You know, he was just all over the place. You know, against against Auburn, like you said, he mm-hmm. played well. Uh, I mean, not Auburn, against Alabama, like you said, he played well. Um, you know, he shows up in big games. He's a strong, powerful guy. And I think they could utilize him in a lot of different places uh, along with defensive tackle. They could put him on the edge if they wanted to. And I think that's how uh, Phil Snow and, and Matt Rule will use him. Um, yeah.
0: It does feel like that um... – With a lot of these picks, um, it it feels like – I know Matt Rule said he likes positionless players. Guys Mm -hmm. can play multiple spots. And the one guy uh, who was actually – I had heard his name way before this year. I heard his name really at the beginning of the football season and being attached to the Panthers. And, of course, a lot of stuff happened with the Panthers from that point to to now. Um, But the third-round selection, Jeremy Chin, uh, the safety out of Southern Illinois – Um, He can play in the box as a linebacker. He Mm -hmm. was drafted as a safety. He's known as a hard hitter. Uh, Carolina moved up to draft chin. What are your thoughts on, because there's another guy that I think might get an opportunity to play a lot, and that's uh, Kenny Robinson uh, that was drafted in the fifth round. He's actually got a little bit of pro experience playing in the XFL Mm -hmm. uh, before that dissolved. But in order to get both of those guys on the field, because you have Trey Boston at safety, and he, he was the one guy that started all 16 games last year, so we, we know he's penciled in. What are your thoughts on, or what have you seen to suggest that maybe the Panthers might do a Thomas Davis here and move Chin down to the linebacking core uh, like they did with Davis you know, over a decade ago out of Georgia?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, Phil Snow even said as much that you know there's a possibility he could use Chin at linebacker, given his size, you know, he's 6'3", 221 pounds. He'll likely get a little bit bigger as he starts training. Um, I think they like him more at the safety position and, and possibly playing the nickel. Um, but I, I do think that they're looking at him at, at linebacker. And, and, you know, the Panthers don't really have a lot of options um, at linebacker right now. I think I think it's still going to be an experimentation but, you know, Jeremy Chin is one of those guys who's flexible. They like him. Just like you said, they traded up to get him. When you trade up to get somebody, you really want them, Right. Right. And uh, Jeremy Chin was a guy who was underrated uh, going into college. And then he showed why he was such a good player and, you know, found his way to the second round.
0: There's two guys that have both been compared to Isaiah Simmons, the, uh, the outstanding Clemson linebacker that was drafted eighth overall mm-hmm. uh, in the first round that the Panthers actually drafted. Jeremy Chin, one of them, he's been compared to Isaiah Simmons, almost a poor man's Jeremy uh, Isaiah Simmons, I should say, uh, for Jeremy Chin. Uh, Kenny Robertson is the other. Um, like I said, he's a safety out of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, he he kind of is compared to Isaiah Simmons as well. Um, Tell me a little bit about him because he hasn't been talked about a lot, but it seems like the coaching staff is very high on him. And if he can become uh, not just a starter, but a contributor with being a fifth round draft choice, how big would that be for this young, very, very young uh, defensive unit for Phil snow?
2: Yeah. I mean, that'd be huge as well. He's a guy I played uh, safety at West Virginia, you know, four interceptions His sophomore year, three, his freshman year. So, you know, he's come in at a very young age and, you know, has performed well. So I doubt he has any fear, you know, coming in uh, at the NFL level. Um, So he, you know, if he's a guy who, you know, they think he can play multiple positions as well. So if he can do that, you know, he'd be a huge contributor. Secondary is one of the biggest questions for the Panthers for sure, you know, given Eric Reed's loss. as well as um, uh, James Bradbury leaving. um, And and they got Eli Apple, but, you know, you still wonder, you know, who's going to be behind those guys, and and it's possible, you know, Kenny Robinson can help them out, um, particularly back there at that safety position.
0: On the line with us, Jonathan Alexander, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. You can follow his work at charlotteobserver.com, and we'll have uh, Jonathan on throughout the season. But speaking of the season, uh, one final question for you, John. Uh, the 2020 NFL season. The NFL, we know, is the, the, the elephant in the room, so to speak. And really, up until this week, they really hadn't shown that they were going to change anything about their calendar based on what was going on outside the NFL. And we've seen this before, whether it's a protest in a city or something going on, NFL continues to move on. Like they just keep going and going and training camp was set weeks ago and it doesn't look like they're moving off of it. At the time of this recording, uh, the NFL Players Association and the NFL uh, owners are are trying to negotiate out the finale of how this is all gonna work out uh, in terms of the regular season. What is your gut feeling as we sit here on July, uh, in the end of July, right before training camps open? What does your gut feeling tell you about the 2020 NFL season? Not so much are we going to start it, because it looks like we're going to start this season. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to be able to finish this season the way that they currently have it constructed? And if not, what would be the best-case scenario for them to get the season in? Because with NFL football, well, football in general, you can't really stop and go like the NBA did.
2: Yeah, I mean – I think, I mean, of course, training camp is going to start on time. I think the season is going to start on time. I think what, you know, the Players Association has said and and what the NFL, you know, has said as well, the goal is to have a season that finishes all the way through, that gets through the Super Bowl. How realistic is that? You know, I don't even think they know. Um, You know, there's so much uncertainty about the coronavirus. And, you know, I can easily say, uh, see there being a lot of stops and goes for the NFL because one thing you have to realize, and you have to say, um, you know, there were a couple of situations that happened. I know the Atlanta Braves recently had two of of their players who tested negative but were experiencing coronavirus like symptoms, hmm. and uh, that's two of their top catchers, and they're having to use guys who never played higher than AA, and then you got Michigan State, you know. Uh, I think two, one coach and one player tested positive, so they're making the whole team uh, quarantine. And, and you got to think about it from the NFL level. Let's say the offensive lineman um, tests positive, and the NFL is making people who have come in contact with him uh, quarantine. So let's say the offensive lineman tests positive. Oh geez. <laughs> you got everybody beside him who were in him in there with the huddle. You got the defensive lineman who he was going against. All those people are going to have to quarantine the quarterback. You know, how does that work out? You, are you going to have five people, six people, seven people at the same time, your starters having to sit out for a week? I oh, think, geez. I think, yeah, I think, I think because of that, you're probably going to run into a lot of problems, a lot of complaints, and, and there'll probably be a lot of starts and restarts uh, through the season until they can figure out, you know, how to get a handle on it.
0: My, uh, my co host Tyrone Poole, who's, um, he was the first defensive player drafted by the Carolina Panthers back in 1995. He couldn't make uh, this portion of the podcast, but he mentioned something in a previous episode that I, that I've kind of stuck with me uh, in terms of them stopping and going. Mm -hmm. Um, He was just saying as a former player in NFL, you can't play for two months and then stop for a month and then pick back up where you left off and stop for a month. I mean, you just the way the game is the attrition, just like the hits building up over time. It, it's almost it almost makes it worse for the player, because really over time, those players bodies begin to callous to those hits like you begin to your body begins to, I don't know, uh, absorb them better mm-hmm. as the season goes on, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess almost like a guitar player, like your, your fingers get callous. The more you play it becomes easier to play, the more your fingers are calloused. Uh, but to his credit, he was saying basically, you know, say they play they start off in September like they're scheduled to do they get four weeks into the season and then there's a huge outbreak and they have to shut it down. Mm-hmm. He was like, he thinks that they would just shut the whole thing down. He doesn't think that they would uh, come back because if they tried to come back, you're talking November at that point, And it would be yeah. two months in between. And it just seems almost like, you know, what are we doing at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, the NFL is in a unique position because they don't have to have fans. They don't have to have, Announcers at the stadiums or anything like that to call these games because mm-hmm. they're a TV deal. They can do all of this with TV and no fans, and people would probably still watch it. And why? But to your point, they might have to bubble wrap uh, all the players to avoid them getting sick. I, I just don't see how that can work yeah. with the contact sport. They're running to each other 75 times a game. I, it just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to finish the season. But do you, do you feel like they're going
2: to finish the season? Yeah, I think the NFL is going to figure out some way. Um, you know, to finish the season because you know if if they would, I mean, I just can't see them not finishing it uh, because so much money. Know, yeah, there's so much money involved, and I think if they if that was a possibility, they would have put a whole uh, a stop to the season right now yeah. because of the uncertainty. So I think they will end up figuring out a way to to finish the season, even if that means you know uh, relegating the games to a certain area so they didn't have to travel. Uh, I know one of the options being discussed right now is new hel- new type of helmets that have a face shield, which seems like the most practical um, option because you can't make players wear a mask. Yeah. Um, but if they had some sort of face shield where they can still breathe um, and they not, uh, you know, project, uh, you know, out spit to the other players, you know, that might be an option. I,
0: thought I saw a picture with christian mccaffrey this week wearing some kind of prototypical helmet mask thing or something uh it might have been it might have been somebody photoshopping something but <laughs>
2: well i do know last week um the nFLpa sent out uh the prototypes of the helmet to all the teams so it could have been, been, been doing it yeah so um so i know that they're looking at it and they're exploring that and that seems like that might be the best option now you know i talked to a, a epidemiologist yesterday and he was saying, you know, that could be one option as well as not having the players, you know, go home so they would spread it to their families, which I don't know how players would mm. look at that and being away from their wives for such an extended period of time.
0: Yeah, that's four or five months, right? I mean, like, yeah, the whole season. That's that's yeah. pretty rough. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Alexander with his beat writer for the Carolina Panthers uh, with the Charlotte Observer. Check out his work at CharlotteObserver.com. real quick, uh, Jonathan. Give me off the top of your head here in the July. You're way too early pick. Who's coming out of the NFC? Who's coming out of the AFC? Who's your Super Bowl uh, selection right now? As it stands today, who would you say is going to be in the Super Bowl?
2: I mean, I just can't see, as of right now, anybody taking down uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they are bring a lot of their, their best players back. Um, Patrick Mahomes is just – he's just been t- uh, tough to stop. And you after winning the Super Bowl, I'm sure he's going to have even more confidence so definitely um the chiefs coming out of the acc and they don't have to worry about the patriots anymore um i think the uh, nfc
0: they got cam up there now you don't think that the might maybe yeah, do a little something
2: yeah i mean i think cam's gonna have a good season um i think it'll probably be an adjustment that first year you know i think cam's a great quarterback but um you know first year uh, i'd be a little more hesitant um as far as the nfc goes you know, I think the 49ers have a great, great team. And I don't think, you know, they'll so much as have uh, a, a Super Bowl hangover as many other teams have. I think they have a great chance to return as well. But I'm going to say I'm going to put it on the Seahawks. Uh, just Russell Russell Wilson is going to have another great year, and 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 they may figure it out.
0: That's uh, so that's interesting. There's a Seattle, Kansas City uh, in the Super Bowl. We'll uh, definitely check back on that later on uh, here in the season. Can't wait for it to start, man. Sometime during the season, I hope to get on to Charlotte. Maybe I can run into you and uh, buy you a a drink or a sandwich or something, man. I appreciate you coming on and we hope to have you back on here uh, throughout the season.
2: I look forward to it. I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right. That's Jonathan Alexander from the Charlotte Observer. Follow his work beat writer for the carolina panthers at CharlotteObserver.com. you've been listening to the believe in carolina panthers podcast on the believe podcast network thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on
1: youtube